Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Welcome back to Cannabis Grand Rounds. My name is Dr. Hal Altman and joining me today to conclude our discussion on pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics of THC, CBD, and the other cannabinoids is Dr. Lee Vinicor. Lee, before we get started, um, just anecdotally, uh, I think that the subject that we're going to talk about today is extremely important, uh, despite what our backgrounds are. Most of our experience with cannabis has been personal experience. Uh, And uh, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, the administration route uh, of preference was inhalation. Uh, There were very few edibles or oral preparations that were used. I have a very close friend, one of the smartest docs that I've ever been around, um, an ED doc, no offense, Lee, (laughs) who, when Colorado passed their adult recreational use, he took his girlfriend to Colorado, went to a dispensary, and was advised to try some gummies because his girlfriend was really not interested in inhalation. He took the gummies home. He, he ate one, waited an hour, and nothing happened, assumed that he needed more, uh, took a second one, and as the second one entered his stomach, the first one kicked in, and he spent the next four hours uh, lying on his back on the floor. <laughs> so Very common overdose scenario. Right. So it, it isn't necessarily how smart you are, but there are parts of the uh, PK profile of cannabis that are somewhat unique to it. And I think that uh, will be very interesting in trying to learn some about that with you today, Lee. What are PK properties, if you can review those very quickly for us, specifically with respect to cannabis, how can we use them to our advantage? Yeah, again, Hal. So PK pharmacokinetics is really what does our body do with a drug that we ingest? So it talks about the absorption of the drug, the distribution throughout the body, the metabolism, and how we eliminate the drug. So, and really PK properties depend on the route of administration. So as you said, inhaled cannabis is similar to taking an intravenous drug. So whatever we inhale in the lungs, and you know, it probably still doesn't have the same, what we call bioavailability, and we can talk about that later as IV, because IV, you inject the whole drug in, it gets into the bloodstream right away. When you're inhaling cannabis, I mean, you're not collecting every little teeny bit of smoke. So some of it 
is is um, is going into the atmosphere. But whatever we take into our lungs, our lungs are very vascular, just like oxygen. Uh, the blood vessels go through the lungs, and that's how the drug and the THC, whatever is in the product you're smoking, gets right into the bloodstream. So you can feel immediate pharmacodynamic effects, usually within minutes of inhaling it, or you know seconds to minutes. Then its peak effect is around an hour and it probably just lasts two hours. So, you know, that's why when we talk about if you're using it for pain and you have all day chronic pain, maybe it's not that effective for pain, right? Because you're going to have to be constantly smoking it. So, you know, my recommendation to chronic pain patients is to use it for breakthrough pain, just when they have that pain that's terrible, um, that they can't tolerate for those uh, kind of few minutes. But you want something that's going to have a longer effect for chronic pain. Now, oral cannabis does have a longer onset to action, and what you're describing is very common. That's why oral cannabis overdose is probably the most common formulation for overdose. Unintentionally, just like your friend, patients take too much because of the delayed onset. So the onset of action can be anywhere from 30 minutes to up to an hour. Its peak effects might happen in two hours, and the duration, meaning it can last for six hours. And it can have very lasting and even sometimes stronger effects. But, but that's what, you know, a typical scenario of an unintentional overdose is people not waiting long enough to feel the effects and then taking another dose of it. So I've heard that not only is there a difference uh, in how quickly THC gets into your system and its effects, but also the uh, euphoria and some of the other actions of THC when ingested orally are different. Why is that? Well, you know, all oral drugs have to go through our liver. Our liver is the major detoxifying organ in the body. And this is called first pass metabolism. So, and it's a protective mechanism that we've developed, right? If you're going to eat something dangerous, it needs to be metabolized in the liver. So there's a group of enzymes in the liver called the cytochrome P450 system. And that's what metabolizes most uh, drugs that we ingest. So a lot of times the liver will metabolize it to an inactive compound. And when people are developing drug chemistries and pharma companies, they, you know, sometimes have to create drugs that if it gets inactivated, the next metabolite might be the one that actually works in the body. It's a lot of complicated chemistry. But in any event, as far as cannabis and Delta 9 THC, it actually, the liver creates what's called an active metabolite. So it doesn't inactivate it, it actually potentiates it and it creates a compound called 11-hydroxy-THC. And that actually more readily passes into the brain. It's actually more potent than Delta 9 THC and it can have longer lasting psychoactive effects. So even though when you're taking oral THC, and you're right, there weren't a lot of gummies back there, people were actually, um, you know, making pot brownies where you were like munching on stuff that had uh, like leaves in it. It was never appetizing. When I saw that in college, I was like, no, thank you. Um, but in any event, 
it so it'll have a lower bioavailability, but it still can have a stronger pharmacodynamic effect because of this active metabolite 11 hydroxy THC. And what's interesting is so if you would smoke it, you would maybe only get a 10 to 1 ratio because it is slightly metabolized in the body, but not through the liver when you inhale it. But definitely when you ingest it, it's a one to one ratio. So you do have high levels of 11 hydroxy TH3 due to first pass metabolism. And those ratios are THC to 11 hydroxy uh, Exactly, THC. nine hydroxy to 11 hydroxy, right? Which is more potent. Well, that helps to understand why uh, we see as many oral overdoses as we yep. do. You've, you've used the term bioavailability. Can you specify bioavailability based upon the formulation of the cannabis product? Yes, and even in drugs in general. So bioavailability is the amount of the substance that's absorbed directly into the bloodstream that's available to the body, uh, right? So intravenous drugs, it's 100% bioavailability, right? Because you're injecting the whole drug directly into the bloodstream. But um, with smoked cannabis, it is higher. It's not 100% because like we said, the smoke, uh, when you're smoking a cannabis cigarette or something, you know, a lot of it goes into the air from the dose that's in the cigarette. So, but it's about 30%. But oral bioavailability, because of what happens, say, for example, for CBD, which is metabolized differently and doesn't have a more potent um, active metabolite, you only get 13 to 20% of it, 20% depending on how the drug is formulated. And a lot of the formulation too depends on the technology they use. As we said, both CBD and THC are lipophilic. Most drugs, you know, that's a bad property. If you were a pharmaceutical company trying to make a drug, you would not tr want the drug to be lipophilic because we absorb things in our body according to water. So, you know, depending on how they make the formulation, there are all kinds of different formulations with nanotechnology and surrounding it with, with molecules that are more absorbed in water, you know, how to do that, it, it will affect the bioavailability too. But also certainly first pass metabolism lowers the bioavailability of kind of any oral drug consumed. So when we talked about the endocannabinoids, uh, ananamide and 2-AG, we talked about enzyme systems that metabolized those compounds and got rid of them. How do we get rid of cannabis from our bodies? Well, the majority of cannabis, 65% of it is eliminated in our feces and stool. So, and 20% of it goes into urine. That's how they do the urine drug test. And usually it's within five days as well as the metabolites. But the other thing about chronic users, and you've heard this said too, if somebody's a chronic user and they have to take a drug test, because it is so lipophilic and loves fat, a lot of it can be stored 
in the fat cells and slowly come out of the fat cells into, I mean, we eliminate most drugs and, and food, you know, in compounds in feces and urine. That's how we kind of eliminate it. It gets caught there. So, you know, as if you're a chronic user, it starts to slowly disperse from the fat, get into the bloodstream. So it can be eliminated in both the urine and the feces but it, it takes much longer because you can store it in the fat for much longer, sometimes up to a month. Again, very fascinating, Lee, and, and we appreciate uh, you, all of your insight into this. I, I do want to make one reference, and that is, Lee, I know that you've spent some time with Dr. Dustin Sulak, who's been in the cannabis consulting business for quite a while. And I've heard him talk about layering, and you alluded to this before, that when you're dealing with people, particularly with chronic conditions of pain or inflammation or whatever the, the chronic condition is, that it's important that you understand the difference in the PK properties of the different formulations. And so oral formulations are going to last longer, give you longer protection, and the inhaled formulations uh, are probably better used for acute uh, rescue from uh, pain or inflammation. Anything else to say about that, Lee? Yeah, it's important. Even uh, like with um, chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, people that are nauseous for a long time to consider orals. And one of the things we didn't really talk about, but we can briefly talk about, is sublingual applications of cannabis. And that is holding something under your tongue like a tincture. And that also is more readily absorbed quicker than oral. And Theoretically, I mean, you don't absorb, depending on the volume of the dose, right? Because some patients I've had will need 100 milligrams of CBD to help them sleep. They put two mLs under their tongue. It takes a long time to absorb. So they do swallow some of it, and it goes through first pass. But tiny amounts or more concentrated tinctures, it can go directly into the blood vessels under your tongue. And that is a little bit more like inhaled or intravenous and onset of action. But I think you know, you have to look at the patient. What is the issue that they're having? Obviously, chronic pain. You want to try and uh, keep that at a minimum with something oral that can last six hours and repeat it a couple times. But then, you know, sometimes do recommend vaping because I never recommend smoking and always vaping, which is a little bit safer than having the products of combustion like carbon monoxide in your lungs. But, you know, vaping for breakthrough pain or vaping th for breakthrough nausea, uh, you know, it's hard to tell somebody to take a tincture under their tongue when they're already so nauseous and feel like they're going to throw up. So maybe just a quick vape and things like that. But that, that is one of the ways and the nuances you have to do. And that's why, as physicians, we need to understand the pharmacokinetics and the pharmacodynamics of all drugs. I mean, it's even that way with other types of drugs, too, right? There's oral dissolve. Zofran tablets and versus, you know, pills that you swallow. So well stated. I, I think what we'll do at some point in the future is to circle back to uh, formulation considerations. We because you're right, we didn't talk about topicals or mucous membrane absorption, and all of those absorption routes have different PK considerations. So with that, we'll wrap this up. We deeply appreciate your listening to us and uh, we look forward to our next podcast 
Thank you very much. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.